story one of short stories of william henry harrison murray this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by david wales short stories of william henry harrison murray story one the busted ex texan we were camped amid the foothills on the trail which led up to kicking horse pass the sun had already passed from sight beyond the white summits above us and the shadow of the monstrous mountain range darkened the prairie to the east to the horizon's rim our bivouac was made in a grove of lofty firs six or eight in number and a little rivulet trickling from the upper slopes fell with soft lapsing sound within a few feet of our campfire we did not even pitch a tent for the sky was mild and above us the monstrous trees lifted their protecting canopy of stems the hammocks were swung for the ladies and each gentleman preempted the claim which suited him best by depositing his blanket and rifle upon it the entire party were in the best of spirits and nature responded to our happiness in its kindest mood laughter sounded pleasantly at intervals from the busy group each working at some self-appointed industry the hum of cheerful conversation mingled with the murmurs of the brook and now and then the snatch of some sweet song would break from tuneful lips brief spirited melodious as a bobolink's dashing upward from the clover heads and before the mighty shadow lying gloomily on the great prairie plain which stretched eastward for a thousand miles had grown to darkness the active happy workers had given to the bivouac that look of designed orderliness which a trained party always give to any spot they select in which to make a camp or pass a night an hour before there was nothing to distinguish that grove of trees or the ground beneath them from any other spot or hill within the reach of eye but now it commanded the landscape and had you been trailing over the vast plain the bright firelight the group of men and women moving to and fro the picketed horses the fluttering bits of colour here and there would have caught your gaze ten miles away and were you tired or hungry or even lonesome you would have naturally turned your horse's head toward that camp as toward a cheerful reception and a home for wherever is happy human life to it all lonely life is drawn as by a magnet and this was demonstrated by our experience then and there for scarcely had we done with supper and by this time the gloom had grown to darkness and the half-light of the evening held the landscape when out of the semi-gloom there came a call the call of a man hailing a camp indeed we were not sure he had not hailed several times before we heard him for to tell the truth we were a very merry crowd and as light of heart as if there was not a worry or care in all the world at least for us and the smallest spark of a joke exploded us like a battery indeed so rollicking was our mood that our laughter was nearly continuous and it is quite possible that the stranger may have hailed us more than once without our hearing him and this was the more likely because the man's voice was not of the loudest nor was it positive in the energy of its appeal indeed there was a certain feebleness or timidity in the stranger's hail as if he was mistrustful that any good fortune could respond to him and hence deprecated the necessity of the resort 
but hear him we did at last and he was greeted with a chorus of voices to come in come in you're welcome and partly because we had finished our repast and partly from courtesy and the natural promptings of gentlefolk to give a visitor courteous greeting we all arose and received him standing and certainly had the kindly act been unusual with us not one of our group would have regretted the extra condescension bestowed upon him at his coming after he had entered the circle of our firelight and we saw the expression of his features what a mirror the human face is looking into it how we behold the soul the accidents that have befallen it and the disappointments it has borne are not the faces of men as carved tablets on which we read the records of their lives the face of childhood is smoothly beautiful like a white page on which neither with ink of red or black has any pen drawn character but as the years go on the pen begins to move and the fatal tracery to grow that tracery which means and tells so much and the face of this man this waif so to speak this waif that had come to us from the stretch of the prairie whose southern line is the southern gulf this stranger who had come so suddenly to the circle of our light and so plaintively sought admission to its comfort and its cheer was a face which one might read at a glance not one in our circle that did not instantly feel that he embodied some overwhelming calamity a look of sadness of a mild continuous sorrow overspread his face there was a pitiful expression about the mouth as if brave determination had withdrawn its lines from it forever from his eyes a certain mistrustfulness looked forth not mistrustfulness of others but of himself as if confidence in his own powers had received an overwhelming shock the man's appearance made an instant and unmistakable impression upon the entire company the ladies god bless their sweet and sympathetic natures were profoundly moved at the pitiful aspect of our guest their bosoms thrilled with sympathy for one upon whose devoted head evil fortune had so evidently emptied its quiver nor were our less sensitive masculine natures untouched by his forlorn appearance a target for evil fortune whispered dick to the major a regular bull's-eye was the solemn response a bull's-eye by gad at the end of the score it was not a poetic expression i wish the reader to note that i do not record it as such i only preserve it as evidence of the major's humanity and of the unaffected sympathy for the stranger which at that moment filled all hearts naturally as it can well be imagined the gaiety of our company had been utterly checked by the coming of our sad guest in the presence of such a wreck of human happiness perhaps of human hope what person of any sensibility could maintain a lightsome mood had it not been for one peculiarity a peculiarity i am confident all of us observed the depression of our spirits would have been as profound as it was universal this peculiarity was the stranger's appetite this fortunately had remained unimpaired an oasis in the sahara of his life the one remnant left him from the wreck of his fortunes whispered dick a perfect remnant returned the major sententiously 
for myself acting as host to this appetite and being naturally of a philosophic turn i watched its development with the keenest interest not to say with a growing curiosity here is something i said to myself that is unique that fine law of recompense which is kindly distributed through the universe finds here i reflected a most instructive and conclusive demonstration robbed by an adverse fate of all that made life agreeable this man this pilgrim of time this wayfarer to eternity this companion of mine on the road of life has had bestowed upon him an extraordinary solace has been permitted to retain a commensurate satisfaction surely life cannot have lost its attraction for one whose stomach still preserves such aspirations and prompted by the benevolence of my mood and the anticipations of a wise forecast i collected in front of me whatever edibles remained on the table that if the supply of our hospitality should prove insufficient the exhibition of his spirit should at least be conclusive but if the countenance of the stranger was of a most melancholy cast there were not lacking hints that by nature he had been endowed with vivacity of spirit for as he continued with an industry which was remarkable to refresh himself there were appearances which came to the eye in the corners of his mouth which made the observer conclude that he was not lacking the sense of humour and if his experience had been most unfortunate there was in him an ability to appreciate the ludicrousness of its changeful situations indeed one could but conclude that originally he must have been of a buoyant not to say sanguine disposition and if one could but prevail upon him to narrate the incidents of his life they would be found to be most entertaining it was something like an hour before our melancholy-looking guest had fully improved the opportunity with which a benignant providence had supplied him a freak in which one might conclude she seldom indulged he ceased to eat and sat for a moment gazing pensively at the dishes it seemed to me but in this i may possibly be mistaken that a darker shade of sadness possessed his face at the conclusion than the one that shadowed it so heavily at the beginning of the repast the pleasures of hope i said to myself are evidently greater to my species than are those of recollection now that there is nothing left for my guest to anticipate it is evident that memory ceases to excite and i could but feel that had our provisions been more abundant the stranger's appetite would not have been so easily appeased with something of regret in my voice i sought to divert his mind from that sense of disappointment which i judged from his countenance threatened to oppress his spirits friend i said i doubt not that you have trailed a goodly distance and your fasting has been long i have not eaten a meal in two days was the response heavens exclaimed dick in an aside to the major is it credible that that man ate two days ago gad exclaimed the major the man's stomach is nothing but a pocket a pocket i should call it an unexplored cavern retorted dick the direction and reason of your long trail would be interesting i resumed and if not impertinent friend may i ask you whence you have come i have journeyed from texas replied the man and his voice nearly broke as he said it 
oh exclaimed the ladies and they sympathetically grouped themselves anticipating with true feminine sensitiveness some terrible denouement texas i ejaculated gad said the major the devil said dick yes texas repeated the man and he groaned by this time as any intelligent reader will easily divine our whole group was in a condition of mild excitement several of us had resided in texas and we felt that we stood at the threshold of a history a history with infinite possibilities in it for myself i knew not how to proceed my position as a host forbade me to interrogate the sorrows of life are sacred and my sensitiveness withheld me from thrusting myself within the enclosure of my guest's recollections that his experiences could we but be favoured with a narration of them would be entertaining painfully entertaining i keenly realised but how to proceed i saw not i remained silent yes it was the stranger who broke the silence i am a busted ex-texan the relief that came to me at the instant was indescribable the path was made plain we all felt that we were not only on the threshold of a history but of a narration of that history the ladies fluttered into position for listening i could but see it and so i am bound to record that i saw dick irreverently punch the major it was a punch which carried with it the significance of an exclamation the major received it with the face of a spartan but with the grunt of a chinook chief friend i said we are accustomed to beguile the evening hours with entertaining descriptions of travels often of personal incidents of the haps and hazards of life and if it would not be disagreeable to you we would be vastly entertained beyond doubt by any narration with which you might favour us of your texan experiences and of the fortunes which befell you there for a few moments the silence remained unbroken save by the crackle of the fire and the soft movement in the great firs overhead a movement which is to sound what dawn is to the day not so much a sound as a feathery suggestion that sound might come it was a genial hour and the mood of the hour began to be felt in our own the warmth of it evidently penetrated the bosom of our guest he had eaten he was filled appreciably so at least and that happy feeling that comfortable sense of fullness which characterizes the after-dinner hour pervaded him with its genial glow he loosened his belt another tremendous nudge from dick and a look of contentment softened his features whatever storm had wrecked his life he had now passed beyond its billows and from the sure haven into which he had been blown he could gaze with complacent resignation if not with happiness at the dangers through which he had passed i am sure that we were all delighted at the brightening appearance of our guest and felt that if the story he was to tell us was one which included disasters it would at least be lightened by traces of humour and the calm acceptance of a philosophic mind i was born in the state of connecticut so our guest began his narration i came from a venturesome stock and the instinct of commercial enterprise may be regarded as hereditary in my family 
my grandfather was the first one to discover the tropical attributes of the beechwood tree he first perceived that it contained within its fibres the pungency of the nutmeg with a celerity which we remember with pride in our family he availed himself of the commercial value of his discovery and for years did a prosperous trade in the credulity of mankind he was a man of humour a sense which has been to some extent transmitted to myself he was a man of humour and i have no doubt he enjoyed the joke he was practising on people fully as much as the profits which the practical embodiment of his humour brought to his pocket my father was a deacon a man of true piety and eminently respectable he was engaged in the retail grocery business a business which offers opportunities to a person of wit and of an inventive turn of mind the butter that he sold was salted invariably by one rule a rule which he discovered and applied in the cellar of the store himself and the sugar which he sold if it was sanded was always sanded by a method which improved rather than detracted from its appearance here our guest paused a moment as if enjoying the recollections of the virtues of his ancestors his face was as sober as ever but his look was one of contentment and i could but note the suggestion of merriment the merriment of a happy memory in his eye how happy it is for an offspring to be able to recall the character of his forefathers with such liveliness of mind the motive which impelled me towards texas he resumed was one which was natural for me to feel thus ancestrally connected i had erred my father's business the deacon who had died full of honours ripe in years and in perfect peace but the business did not prosper in my hands perhaps i had not erred with the business the deacon's ability that accuracy of eye that gravity of appearance that deafness of touch so to speak which underlay his success be that as it may the business did not pay and without hesitation i sold it and with a comfortable sum for investment i journeyed to texas it is proper for me to remark that the welcome i received was most cordial i chose a populous centre for a temporary residence and proceeded to look around me i found the texans to be a warm-hearted people much given to hospitality and willing with a charming disinterestedness to admit all newcomers with capital to the enormous profits of their various enterprises for the first time in my life i found myself among people who were successful in everything they undertook their profits were simply enormous no speculation could possibly fail however i invested my money i was assured that i would speedily become a millionaire cotton was a certain crop corn was never known to fail the texan tobacco was rapidly driving the cuban out of the market the aboriginal grapes of the state of which there were millions of acres waiting for the presses yielded as europe confessed a wine superior to champagne if i preferred herding all i had to do was to purchase a few sheep and simply sit down there was no section of the globe where sheep were so prolific fleeces so thick or the demands of market so clamorous and as for horses i was assured that no one in texas who knew the facts of the case would spend any time in raising them the prairies were full of them hundreds of thousands of them all blooded stock 
true descendants sir from the moorish barb distributed through the whole country at the spanish invasion i need do nothing but purchase fifty thousand acres fence the territory in and the enclosed herds would continue to propagate indefinitely such were the delightful pictures which my entertainers presented to me captivated by the charming manners of my hosts my sanguine temperament kindled into heat at the touch of their enthusiasm where every venture was sure of successful issue there was no need for deliberation or selection i invested indiscriminately in all and waited buoyantly for the results here the stranger paused compelled perhaps by a slight interruption dick had retired closely followed by the major our guest certainly was not devoid of humour and i was convinced as i watched the play of his features that he apprehended and appreciated the reason for their retirement he lifted a plate from the table inspected it closely turned it over gazed contemplatively at its reversed side and poising it deftly upon the point of three fingers quietly remarked the gentlemen i believe have been in texas they have i replied we three were there together ah it was all he said i might add it was all that could be said at this point dick and the major rejoined us their eyes showed traces of recent tears they were still wiping their faces with their handkerchiefs with that refinement which is characteristic of true gentlemen and which seeks concealment of any extraordinary emotion they had considerately retired to indulge their laughter i am delighted continued our guest after dick and the major had resumed their seats i am delighted to find myself in company with men of experience i feel that you will not question the veracity of my story or fail to appreciate the outcome of my enterprises at the end of two years my property was distributed promiscuously throughout the state and i was reduced to the necessity of making one final venture to recoup myself for the losses which to the astonishment of the entire texan community i assured them i had met i was the only man as they asserted that had ever failed to make a magnificent success in texas you can readily conceive gentlemen that i was determined to make no mistake in my final venture there were other reasons beside the one of caution which persuaded me to begin with a moderate investment so i bought one cow it was impossible for me to make a mistake from such a beginning every person in texas that had rapidly risen to financial eminence had started with one cow many a time had a texan ranchman swept his hand with a royal gesture over a landscape of flowers and mesquite brush dotted with thousands of cattle and exclaimed stranger i started this year ranch with one cow and then he would take out a piece of chalk and figure out to me on his saddle how that one cow had multiplied herself into seven thousand five hundred and twenty-three other cows which had proceeded to promptly multiply themselves regular as the seasons come round sir at the same reckless manner until it was evident that the number of her progeny was actually curtailed by the size of the saddle and the lack of chalk 
now i was eager to possess a cow with such a multiplication table attachment and being unable to wait even ten years before i could tingle with the sensation of being a millionaire ranchman i decided to shorten the probationary stage by half and so i purchased two cows at this point dick rolled over upon the grass and the major was doubled up as with sudden pain as for myself i confess i could not restrain my emotions i had been through the same experience as had fallen to my guest and i appreciated the sanguine characteristics of his temperament which prompted him to the investment and the humour of the situation i laughed till my eyes flowed with tears and the stillness of the foothills resounded with the unrestrained merriment of the entire camp the humour of our guest was truly american the humour of suggestive restraint and exaggeration both he narrated his experiences which had resulted in the loss of his fortune and the collapse of his hopes with a face like a deacon's and with a quaint and most charming sense of the ludicrousness of the position a position of which he himself was the cause and central object he fairly represented that type of men who combine in their composition that which is most practical and imaginative alike whose energy can subdue a continent and whose boastfulness would awaken contempt if it were not palliated by the magnitude of their achievements a humour that is often barbed but which is most willingly directed against one's self but whether directed against the humorist or his neighbour carries no poison upon its point and leaves no wound to rankle my financial condition said our guest resuming my financial condition at the time i made this final investment contributed to the hopefulness of my mood and made me feel the excitement of a reckless speculation for though my two cows only cost me seventeen dollars and fifty cents each nevertheless when the purchase was concluded and the goods delivered and i had made a careful inventory of my remaining assets a business proceeding which the average texan found it necessary to go through about once in two weeks in order that he might know what his financial standing was or whether he had any standing at all when i say the purchase was consummated and an inventory of my remaining assets made i discovered that the two cows had swallowed up nearly my entire estate and that a few dollars of farther expenditure would plunge me into bottomless insolvency i must confess that this disclosure of my financial condition added zest to the undertaking and filled me with that fine excitement which accompanies a desperate speculation i have always felt that another cow would have made a financier of me and that i could have taken my place among my brethren in wall street without a tremor of the muscles or the least sense of inferiority the cows were both black in colour so black that they would make a spot in the darkness of the blackest night that ever gloomed under the cypresses of the guadeloupe if those cows i said to myself as i looked over them if those cows ever do bring forth calves at the rate that the texan of whom i purchased them figured out on his saddle they'll put the whole state under an eclipse 
i cannot say speaking with that restraint which i have always cultivated i cannot say ladies and gentlemen that i regarded either cow with any great affection there were peculiarities about them which checked the outgoing of my emotional nature they had a way of looking at me through the wire fence that made me feel grateful to the inventor of barbed wire i cannot describe the look exactly it was a direct earnest steady intense inspection of my person that made me feel out of place as it were and caused me to remember that i had duties at home which required me to get there as rapidly as possible one morning seeing that the basis of my speculation was near the centre of the field and busily feeding on the bountiful growths of nature i crept softly through the wires of the fence that i might gather some pecan nuts under a big tree that stood some twenty rods away i reached the tree in safety and proceeded to pick up the nuts i had filled one pocket only when i heard a noise behind me and looking up i saw that all the profits of my stock speculation and all my stock itself were coming toward me on a jump i was never more collected in my life my mind instantly reached the conclusion that the pecan crop that year was so large in texas that it would not pay to pick up another nut under that tree that the whole thing should stand over as it were until another fall and that the sooner i retired from that field the better it would be for me and the few pecans that i had with me acting in harmony with this conclusion which to my mind carried with it the force of a demonstration i started for the wire fence i have no doubt but that the line of my movement was absolutely straight i assure you gentlemen that if cows had multiplied in my business connection as rapidly as they did in my imagination during the next sixty seconds of time i should have been in texas to this day the whole field was actually alive with cows i reached the fence just one jump ahead of the oldest cow and seeing no reason why i should take time to crawl through between the wires i lifted myself over the airy construction in a manner that must have convinced that old animated bit of blackness that i had absolute ownership in every nut about me this little episode supplied me with material for reflection for at least a week and made me realize that any northern man that enters into a speculation with texas cows as a basis must keep his eyes open and not allow his thoughts to be diverted by any side issues like pecan nuts while the business is developing the sixth morning after my speculation had arrived at the ranch my profits began to roll in upon me or to state it more practically and in a business-like manner the oldest cow produced a calf this raised my spirits and made me feel that my business was fairly started i went to my stock book and promptly made an entry as follows seven five two three dash one this meant that there were only seven thousand five hundred and twenty two yet to realize on that is if seven thousand five hundred and twenty two calves should promptly come to time seeing that one calf had already actually come to time my herd would be complete i think gentlemen you can readily understand my feelings as i stood contemplating the first fruition of my hopes from behind a tree the cow was securely tied but still from habit i took my usual position when inspecting my stock 
my mood was very hopeful i felt as every texan felt in those days when by some accident he found himself in possession of actual property there is a calf i said i've only had to wait six days for that calf to materialize suppose another calf should materialize in six days i extracted a pencil from my pocket and began to figure i multiplied that calf by six i mean that at the end of six days i multiplied that calf by another calf every time i put down a new multiplier i took a look at the calf and every time i looked at the calf it multiplied itself as it were until i felt the full force of the texan's statement save that the more i multiplied the more i felt that seven thousand five hundred and twenty three did not fairly represent the certainties of the speculation that cow would surely make a millionaire of me yet if nothing happened but gentlemen something did happen and it happened in this wise you have doubtless by this concluded that the cow was a wild cow the man who sold her to me had not put it precisely that way he had represented her to me as a cow of mild manners thoroughly domesticated of the sweetest possible temper used to the women folks playful with children in short a creature of such amiability that she actually longed to be petted but i had already discovered that her manners were somewhat abrupt and that either the man did not understand the nature of the cow or i did not understand the man i was convinced that if she had ever been domesticated it had been done by some family every member of which had died in the process or had suddenly moved out of the country only a short distance ahead of her and that she had utterly forgotten her early training still i had no doubt but that her amiability was there although temporarily somewhat latent and that the influences of a gentle spirit would revive the dormant sensibilities of her nature the sight of a milk-pail i said to myself will surely awaken the reminiscences of her early days and of that sweet home life which was hers when she yielded at morn and at night her glad contribution to the nourishment of a christian family there was on my ranch a servitor of foreign extraction who did my cooking for what he could eat chin foo by name and to him i called to bring me the large tin pail which served the household which like most texan households in the tertiary period so to speak of their fortunes was conducted on economic principles as a wash-tub a chip basket a water bucket and a dinner gong it also occurred to me as i stood looking at the cow and caught the spirit of her expression so to speak that as she had come to stay was a permanent fixture of the establishment as it were chin foo might as well do the milking first as last moreover as the texan from whom i purchased her had assured me that she was a kind of household pet the children's friend and took to women folks naturally the case was a very clear one for as chin foo had long hair wore no hat and dressed in flowing drapery the cow unless she was more of a physiologist than i gave her credit for would be in doubt somewhat as to the sex of the chinaman and before she had time to ruminate upon it and reach a dead sure conclusion the milking would be over and i would have scored the first point in the game if she was a cow of ability had any trumps and was up to any tricks as it were 
so i told chen foo as he approached with the pail in his hand that the cow was a splendid milker thoroughly domesticated accustomed to chinamen and that he might have the honour of milking her first i remarked furthermore that as everything about the place was new to her and she was a little nervous i would gently attract her attention in front while he proceeded to extract the delicious fluid i charged him in addition to remember that it was always the best policy to approach a cow of her temperament in a bold and indifferent manner as if he had milked her all of his life and get down to business at once and that any hesitation or show of nervousness on his part would tend to make her more nervous i must say that chin foo acted in a highly creditable manner considering he was in a strange land and to my certain knowledge had no money laid by for funeral expenses for while i was stirring the dust and flourishing my stick in a desultory manner in front of the cow to divert her mind and keep her thoughts from wandering backward too directly he fluttered boldly up to her and laid firmly hold of two teats with the familiarity of an old acquaintance at this point of his narration the stranger paused a moment there was a sort of plaintive look on his face and he gazed at the plates with an expression in his eyes of sorrowful recollection i cannot say he resumed as one who speaks oppressed with a sense of uncertainty exactly what did happen for i never saw the chinaman again until he alighted i only know that when he came down he was practically inside the pail and that he sat in it a moment with a kind of dreamy eastern look on his face as if he lived on the isle of patmos and had seen a vision and when he had crawled out of the pail he went directly into the house saying the melican man is damn fully to try milky that cussy or words to that effect but i did not agree with him i reflected that the chinese are only an imitative race and wholly lacking in original perception they never invent anything i said never study into causes never get down to principles as it were it requires a purely occidental intellect to master the problem before me this cow has a strong disinclination to be milked why what is the motive of her conduct if i could only answer that all at once it came to be came like a flash the reason was plain this cow is a mother the maternal instinct in her case is beautifully developed her reasoning faculties less so she has a calf to her mind we are trying to rob her beloved offspring of its nourishment she naturally resents this injustice on our part beautiful development of maternity i apostrophized as i looked at the cow in the light of this new revelation thy instincts are those that sweeten the world and remind us of the benignity that planned the universe i will bring thy calf to thee i will show thee that i am not devoid of the spirit of equity that i am ready to go shares and play fair as it were thy calf shall take one side of thee i will take the other and thy soul will come forth to me in gratitude i was delighted i went directly to the pen and gazed benevolently at the calf the little imp was blacker if possible than its mother there was that same peculiar look also in its eyes you're all hers i joyfully cried you are your mother's own child i seized hold of the neck rope 
i opened the pen door and i went out through that door quicker than a vagrant cat ever got round a corner of a house where a scotch terrier boards the calf went under the cow and i struck her head on but i had come to stay i grabbed the pail with one hand and the teat with the other i tugged it pulled it twisted it not a drop could i start a suction pump of twenty horsepower would have found it drier than sahara and all the while the calf's mouth on the other side was actually running over with milk in two minutes he looked like a black watermelon then the cow with a kind of back action suddenly reached out one foot and when i came to i found myself facing a mulberry tree with one leg on each side of it by this time i had reached a decision and i had the courage of my convictions i felt it to be my duty to milk that cow i reminded her in plain straightforward language that i was the son of a deacon and that she'd find it out before she got through with me i assured her that i understood the beauty of righteousness and that i held a strong hand a straight flush as it were i was well aware that the metaphor was somewhat mixed but it expressed my sentiments and relieved my feelings and so i fired it at her point-blank she snorted and pawed and bellowed and swore at me in cow language but i didn't care for that so i shook the old battered milk pail in her face and told her i was born in connecticut and did business on spot cash principle and that she would know more of the commandments than any cow of her color in texas before we had our long farewell by this time the matter had attracted a good deal of attention for i had carried on my conversation with the cow in the voice of a tragedian when the chief villain of the play has stolen his girl and my next neighbor an old sea captain from matagorda bay and his hired men had come over to assist me they were of the nature of a reinforcement which consisted of the captain a mexican a michigan man that stuttered and two negroes napoleon bonaparte de neville smith and george washington marlborough john singh by name hence we were six in all and i decided to take the offensive at once the captain was advanced in years and rheumatic but a clear-headed man used to command and had boarded as he expressed it several of the crafts in his own waters so i put him in charge of the marines namely ourselves and told him to fight the ship for all she was worth he caught on to the thing at once and swore he would sweep the old black hulk fore and aft and send every mother's son to the bottom or make her strike her colors the vigor of the gallant old gentleman's language and the noble manner in which he shook his cane at the old pirate put us all in good spirits and i verily believe that if he had at that fortunate moment given the word board we would niggers and all have gone over the bulwarks of that old cow with a rush the captain's plan of action was proof of his courage and in harmony with my own ideas of the matter he said that our force was ample every gun shotted and the ports open that we had the windward gauge of her and that the proper course was to send a boat in to cut her cable and when she drifted down with the current we would wear ship lay up alongside grapple pass lashings aboard and send the whole crew on to her deck with a rush 
assaulted in such a man-of-war style he was confident she would become confused be intimidated and strike her colours without firing a gun the brave and sonorous language with which our commander set forth his plan of assault captured our imagination and we all longed for the moment when the word of command would permit us to swarm up the sides and over the rail of the old bovine not only was the general plan thus agreed upon but each man had his post of duty assigned to him when the cable was cut that is when the cow should find herself at liberty and bolt as she would be sure to do the mexican was to lasso her and hang on napoleon bonaparte de neville and george washington marlborough were to lay hold of her horns to port and starboard as the captain insisted while the michigan man who was over six feet tall and leggy was to fasten with a good grip on to her tail that he might serve not only as a drag as our commander phrased it but as a pilot as well if she should get to yawing or be suddenly taken aback and be unable to come up into the wind promptly while i was held in reserve to guard against emergencies i did not quite like the position assigned to me and so intimated to the captain but he said no one could tell how it might go when we once got out of the harbour and if any of the braces should part or the sea get high that he would have to send an additional man to the wheel for he added in a whisper god knows that long-legged michigan landlubber could never keep her to a straight course if she should once get running with the wind over her quarter and everything drawing through that cornfield i saw the force of his reasoning and felt easier so without further delay we went into action the old captain stood knife in hand ready to cut the lariat which held the cow to the tree but before he did so he hailed all ready to cut cables forward de log captain shouted napoleon de neville which is dis year nigger gwine to do if de utter nigger lets go go way dar nigger shouted george washington marlborough what you takes dis nigger for if you tinks i's gwine to let go dis old black cow i'll give a silver dollar to the nigger that holds on the longest i yelled well answered mate sang out the old captain all ready to cut cables cut she is the cow gave a bellow like the roar of a lion and made a rush with lowered horns at the captain now this was not the course laid down on his chart for her to take and he and the rest of us were struck all aback as he afterwards expressed it but he met the emergency with spirit he broke his big spanish oak stick on the nose of the brute and then the old mariner rolled in the dust lay aboard of her men shouted the old hero in a voice like a foghorn flourishing the fragments of his stick lay aboard of the old cuss i say cast your grapplings greaser seize her helm some of ye and throw it hard over to port these orders were obeyed with alacrity not a man flinched the loop of the lasso settled over the polished horns to the roots and don juan san diego set it tight with a twang napoleon bonaparte and george washington rushed headlong upon her and hung to horns and ears while the man from michigan fastened a grip on her lifted tail as she tore past him which straightened him out like a lathe as to myself i could only stand and gaze with solicitude upon the terrific contest on the issue of which depended not only the chances of my speculation but even the preservation of my self-esteem 
the combat deepened and enlarged itself as it were a bulldog who was standing along the road in search of adventure and two foxhounds joined in the fight the cat the only one of the seven thousand five hundred and twenty-three i was ever destined to behold broke from its pen and ran bellowing to its mother the dogs bayed the niggers yelled the mexican swore in his delightful tongue and the stuttering michigander remained silent simply from his inability to pronounce the profanity of his feelings suddenly the cow which had been slowly working her way with her several attachments clinging to her toward the road which ran along the front of the field turned and started pell-mell toward the river which flowed wide and deep through the rushes at the rear of it she left the path and took to the corn and through the mass of growing stalks she swept like a whirlwind onward she came i anticipated the awful catastrophe and stood riveted to the spot the old captain still sat in the gravel where the cow had bowled him his hand grasping the shattered cane and his game leg extended he too foresaw the inevitable through the corn came the cow like a black saturn attended by her satellites but her career was too terrific for these to hold to their connection the laws of the universe forbade it napoleon bonaparte de neville lost his hold as she crashed into the salgum patch george washington marlborough tripped over an irrigation ditch and soared away at a tangent like a sputtering remnant of a burnt-out world don juan san diego went the wrong side of a mulberry tree and the lasso parted with a snap he never stopped until his momentum carried him through the slats of the neighboring cowpen only the long-legged michigander kept his hold and he looked like a pair of extended scissors i stood aghast at the impending ruin of my hopes with my lower jaw dropped the captain alone retained his presence of mind as the black unit of my last texan speculation shot by him with michigan elongated like a peninsula fastened to her tail he rolled up to his knees and roared starboard your helm boy luff her up luff her up for the love of god or the colonel is busted it is doubtful if the michigan man ever heard the stentorian call of the captain for sound travels only thirteen hundred feet to the second and the cow was certainly going considerably faster than that and besides he was himself engaged with a terrific earnestness in a vain effort to extricate a word out of his throat which stuck like a wad in a smutty gun a word of undoubted saxon origin and of expressive force and which has saved more blood-vessels from bursting than the lancet of the phlebotomist for as he streamed past there was left floating upon the air a long string of d's thus no one who did not hear them could ever conceive of the awful sputtering hissing sound that they caused in the atmosphere as they came out of the mouth of the mad stuttering michigander and as he and the cow bored a hole through the reeds on the bank of the river and hitting a cypress stump ricocheted into the water that fiery string of d's still hot and sputtering reached half across the field the splash of the two as they struck the water brought the old captain to his feet and in spite of his rheumatic leg he rushed toward the river crying man overboard man overboard gone clean over the forechains lifeboats to port and starboard 
with such a frightful catastrophe gentlemen the remembrance of which actually makes me nervous my last speculation in texas ended going over the whole matter with the captain that evening a process which took us well into the night it was our united opinion that the speculation was a failure this conviction was mutual and profound the cow was not only gone but she had shown such disinclination to be domesticated and such a misapprehension of the true purpose of life that the prospect was truly disheartening why damn it colonel said the captain we've no evidence that the old cow wanted to be milked to this discouraging conclusion of the captain's i was compelled to give a sorrowful assent i recognized that my speculation was in arrears as it were and that it would never figure up a profit therefore next day i divided my few personal effects between the captain and the noble men who had risked their lives for an idea who had seen the tragedy played out and the curtain rung down to my last appearance as it were and with the few dollars which alone remained of the fortune which i took with me to texas i mounted my horse and started northward to join that noble army of martyrs that brotherhood of sufferers that fraternity of the busted whose members are legion and who are known as ex-texans the hilarity of the camp that evening under the foothills will never be forgotten by those of us who composed the happy number and who listened with streaming eyes and aching sides to the narrative of our unfortunate guest he told his story with a directness and simplicity of narrative with a gravity of countenance and plaintiveness of voice which heightened the humour of the substance never did the stars which have seen so much of human happiness which have listened to so much of the rollicking humour of those who were fashioned for laughter looked down upon a jollier camp long after our guest had ended his narrative and was apparently sleeping in happy forgetfulness of his texas speculation succeeding pauses of silence would come roars of laughter the remembrance of the humorous tale banished sleep and even after slumber had fallen on us all fun still held possession of our dreams for dick starting from sleep in a nightmare of hilarity roared out luff her up luff her up or the colonel is busted ay ay thank god for laughter thank him heartily and ever dear friend blow the winds run the tides as they may the sorrows of life may be many and its griefs may be keen and we who are frosted with years and you who are blooming have felt and will feel the sting of false friends and the burden of losses but lose what we may or be pained as we have been and shall be we are happy in this we who know how to laugh that we find wings for each burden solace for pains and return for all losses in our sweet sense of humour thank heaven so whether rich men or poor healthy or sick brown-headed or grey we will go on like children with eyes for all beauty and hearts for all fun let lilies teach us and of the birds of the air let us learn the day that is not shall not make us anxious for of each day is the evil enough and the morrow shall take care of itself end of story one